Thank you very much for taking time out of your day to, to have a chat with me. And no um, more importantly, today's topic, from college to club. Okay? Yes. It's, it's a big topic, I think it is, um, because I've been through the systems, I went to college, and then I submerged myself into a club, uh, and then that took most of the priority of time. But in terms of the club side of things, what we're talking about here is... Talking about the development from, for instance, Harbury College, um, all the way into, say, for instance, a premiership team. So mm-hmm. we'll look at one in particular, which is Gloucester, which I know you guys yeah. have got some some very good networks with. Yeah. Um, and just tell us a bit about that. Tell us a bit about, well, first and foremost, who are you? What do you do? And um, give us a bit of a rundown of your, of your background there, Tom. Sure. So... Um... Before we get into that, I just, obviously, again, I suppose just to reciprocate, you know, thanks very much for having me on. It's, it's um, I think, my first kind of foray into this. So, uh, I say apologies if uh, we do kind of go off track a little bit, we'll try and keep it quite succinct. But, um, so my name is uh, Tom Bryan, um, currently working as an academy SNC coach at Hartford College, like you said. Um, and uh, so I'm going into, I guess, my second full year there uh, from a was lucky enough to kind of pick up a kind of a full-time pay position in October. Um, so I spent the previous year to that uh, as I was a master's student. Um, it's like a, I'm working with the rugby program, which was very good. So basically was supported to do my master's by the rugby program um, and uh, worked with uh, all basically all three men's teams from under 18s, uh, the, which is over the college, uh, the Bucks University side, and obviously then up into the, the championship uh, RFC team. Uh, which was a great experience. Um, before that, spent two years in Suffolk um, with Barry St. Edmunds um, Rugby Club, National 2. A uh, year before that, Roslyn Park, National 1. Uh, the year before that, um, I'd been with London Scottish Academy, um, which, uh, and I'd obviously then done my inter- my first internship with their first team the season before. So it's kind of, a, I suppose, like a very brief potted history, but like you say, kind of been through, um, you know, like the kind of the internship kind of route. Um, you know, obviously with a with a pro club, got into kind of got in with their academy through, you know, basically through that, um, building your. Know, I think kind of mainly off the back of uh, building relationships with people, you're building a network and that's kind of what's carried me through. I think the other positions. So for example, for instance, getting to Austin park was because I knew the head coach who went down there. He was, I worked with him at Scottish. We had a very good working relationship. Um, Barry, I think I was just kind of lucky enough to kind of land, um, land with my feet on the ground. after things didn't really go to plan at park. Um, for yeah for many reasons um but again so went up there had you know two very good years built some good working relationships with with people um and but obviously the masters was something i always wanted to do so obviously when the opportunity came up at Hartbury, that's just something i jumped at so uh so yeah that's a i say very brief potted uh potted history very, very exciting history um because you've been across so many different types of environments yeah, and I think that that for for an SNC coach is is paramount because you need to be able to have the diversity of working under different people um, because they all have their own individual skill sets. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. One thing I I noticed recently was there's a massive jump between college level uh, rugby to first team rugby uh, at say for instance. Um, at Hartbury, um, because they are a championship club. Um, yep. But the college themselves, they, it, 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 is, is there is there some similarities between the two? Because are they, have they got two separate teams, or are they, or are they playing as one particular team in the championship? How, how are they? How are they separating things? So, um, so the way it works at Hartbury is, and so I spoke like I, just to preface that as well. Like, so my experience with Hartbury, obviously, is kind of I haven't worked with the rugby program since the end of. Uh, the previous season um, just because of the way think the chips are kind of falling obviously because I was obviously part of that studentship program there's another person coming after that now since I graduated my master's but the approach from the Hartbury perspective has stayed very pretty consistent basically they have our under 18 side which is the college um, 
basically who compete in the you know, the RFU Ace League um, and the AOC leagues. So that's basically so you know under 16, 17s. Oh, sorry, not under 16, sorry, under 17s and 18s. Um, so kids that are 16, 17 and 18 compete in that. Um, and that's kind of its own separate entity. And then you have uh, the Bucks, which is obviously the university. So, you know, so university students um, who obviously compete in the first team are in Bucks Super Rugby. Uh, so obviously you're the top university standard in the country. And then the seconds, um, thirds and fourths. And I think they've started a new, like kind of a, a, f- a freshest team, which I think is called the Acorns uh, in the previous season, obviously compete in their various leagues. That is technically its own separate entity as well. But obviously the pathway, like you were talking about, earlier um the pathway kind of is very strong and feed through for the under 18s just we have a lot of guys that will finish their college studies obviously fit like play ace rugby and academy rugby which i'm sure some will kind of come on to in a minute but will then kind of will stay will then go on to harper university to do their degree studies um or their undergraduate studies um and play for the bucks and then of kind of above the bucks you have the rfc which is the championship side so it obviously it is very it's a very unique, I think it's a very, very unique situation in terms of because so the RFC technically are, they're not a Hartbury uh, team because they have, they do have external people that will come in. Obviously they sign, they'll come in and play, but the, the part, the Hartbury pathways, if you look at the number of ex Hartbury students, obviously that's college, that's both college and university that play for that RFC side is, you know, is, there's loads of them. And we also find that in in some games, a lot of the Bucks team gets play as well. So they'll the Bucks is effectively almost like I suppose as you can look at it as like a senior academy, and you have those senior academy players it's who are a transition. Yeah, it's a, it's a transition yeah, exactly. phase for them. Exactly. So, but to, you know, but again, so like, so may, they may, for example, they, in their first not necessarily their first year of uni, but they'll they'll get exposed to that kind of level of rugby by playing cup games. Maybe, you know, if they're good enough to play some league games. And obviously, the better ones will go on and play a lot more league rugby. Um, and then when they finish their studies, again, if they're, if they're good enough and they and they want to stay, a lot of them have been offered contracts. So people, there's at least four or five guys who I worked with last year who have gone and signed, you know, first team contracts with Hartbury RFC. And they've come all the way, some of them have come all the way through from, you know, 16-year-olds joining Hartbury College and they're now playing Championship Rugby for Hartbury RFC. So that's, the I think, the unique aspect of Hartbury Rugby, mm-hmm. um, which, again, we can obviously discuss the kind of, like, say, the, the differences between college and club. Um, but yeah, yeah let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on to that because it's a, yeah. it's a, good, it's a good continuation from, from yeah, what you were saying right. there because I've, I've played club rugby and I've yep. played it both locally and overseas uh, to, to a high level. So I know what that transition looks like. But for some people, the transitions to, say, a local team here would be very different to, say, transferring from, a, from the college to the RFC mm-hmm. for you guys. There is yep. a massive jump. You've got mm-hmm. that little mid middle ground where you've got the Bucks and you've got the um, the Ace League, which yep. is which is effectively a very good transitional phase. Yeah. Um, yep. Now the uh, the elite pathway then is that started from when they leave school because it is for us down here. It's very much we pick you up when you're 14, 15 years old. You're going to Sussex. You're going to a county team, mm-hmm. uh, and then you'll obviously be playing for a club at the time. And uh, then obviously you'll get the transition over to from that to then go to a premiership club. Whereas Hartbury yep. have effectively they've they've alleviated all of that because mm. you've got one set pathway which is going from the college to the university to the club, which yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, how and have they been able is, to do that so well? That's 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 what I want to know. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, I know it's it's a great question. I think, and you're right in the sense of, I think obviously, and this is kind of me speaking from the outside because I I haven't you know really been fortunate to kind of be in those prem, in the Premiership Academy systems um, as of yet. But obviously, the the Hartbury model is, as you say, is you know kids will they come to the college, and it's as well you know kind of just to kind of I suppose get you know get this out there more than anything is it's not 
kind of anyone can play rugby at Harbury. It's not it's not an elite system where only the best people are out to come. You know, we there are on the rugby program there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And this is men's as well. You're just the men's program because the women's program is, you know, just as strong, just as vibrant. Um, but obviously, just from the men's program, there's hundreds and hundreds of kids that turn up every year. So that, you know, we get a, they get an influx of, you know, maybe close to you know three, four, five hundred kids that are in the program at any one time, and they provide rugby for you know from 16, uh, 16 to eighteen. They provide rugby for everyone, which I think is a is a great thing. But obviously, the the top the the upper echelons of those who from a very similar, I suppose, to guests at the Premiership Academies is, is that it's basically how it works. You know, you tell you the top level of those uh, college kids will play ace rugby and at the ace or the ace league is, is set up very well to, I guess, accompany the Premiership Academy system in the sense that the ace league runs from September to December. So they play their ace rugby with us. Obviously they'll train and stuff with, so like you said, we have really good links with Gloucester. So they'll still train with Gloucester, throughout this period but then the academy league starts as of january then they play there effectively we we don't necessarily release them but they'll go and play their academy rugby with gloucester um i know gloucester have had a good couple of runs the last couple of years and they made it to the final for a couple of years uh don't they made it last year but um you know, so again, so a lot of these, so a lot of the guys that we work with uh, on a very regular, or have worked, sorry, I say we, a lot of the guys that within the Heartbreed system are obviously exposed as Heartbreed um, development, but they also get their academy development at the same time, which is obviously a great. And then again, we get a lot of guys that kind of go off into that system as well. I think they were from the year that I was with them. Uh, seven guys got senior academy contracts at Gloucester, which again was great. Just I think validates a lot of what Hartbury do is kind of a developmental process there. Um, and a lot of them, I think uh, they are also doing university studies. They, they are, as well as playing academy rugby for Gloucester, will play Bucks rugby for Hartbury. So they, again, they get the double kind of exposure to both kind of edges of the sword, if you want a better phrase. So, so yeah, it's like, like I kind of said earlier, that that Bucks system then almost serves as the Heartbreed Senior Academy. Um, so we have our Junior Academy with the with the Ace, and then a Senior Academy with the Bucks, and that that's how we kind of take it through. Or how again, I keep saying we how heart, how they kind of players will go through that Heartbreed system. And again, they if they a lot of the guys again if they graduate um, from the Bucks team will. Okay, we'll maybe get offers from elsewhere, yeah, from other clubs. You, yeah, we've got loads of other guys that've gone on to play Championship rugby, um, some in league, you know, National One, some in National Two. It's just, you know, so the players end up all over the place. You look at the list of Hartbury graduates that have gone to play top level rugby. Is again, like I said, it's incredible. So it's, it's amazing. Mm. I think I think having that combined with with a good education allows the players to to really evolve yeah uh, and I think from that then uh, you'd be right in agreeing that your your coaching itself has then developed as part of that because you're able to see it on well from them obviously going through this system yeah but also coming into it um, yeah. in terms of the the beginning phases then. Um, and obviously, I, I say this quite a lot, but I think that the world is ever developing uh, in terms of education. Mm-hmm. And um, what what have you learned during your, your process um, of coaching there? What have what have you learned that's really stood out that when you first came into the organisation, you were like, okay, I need to learn this because it's going to help me do this. That, that's a really good question. Um, I think it, you know, <laughs> how long have you got in terms of what I've learned? But um, I think the main I'm only thing, available for two hours, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, like I said, this is one of the ways we could go off on so many tangents here. But um, it's, I think the the great thing about the experiences that I had at Heartbreed as kind of within that studentship period and working obviously with the with the rugby program was just like you say, it's, it's great to kind of see how the how the developmental system works like say taking because some kids will go from they come to Hartbury at 16 and then they're playing championship rugby four or five years later um some of them uh which is obviously great I think for me what I learned was I think just although I, although I already knew this and this is this isn't really anything new but it's the it's the I guess that the, the nuances of how you I suppose set a program up and deliver a program for all the different ages. So obviously what, what works for 
what works and what is necessary for you know a seasoned championship professional is is no is probably not going to work for you know a fresh um you know 16 year old that's just come into the into the college setup and you know i mean obviously there's okay we can get into all the kind of nitty-gritty science and you know long-term athletic development and stuff but obviously the guys that have been in the championship setup a lot they've been training you know some of them have obviously come down from premiership some of them have you know they've come through academy systems and maybe not quite made it so they've obviously dropped down to championship we whatever reason they're there they're there um but they've obviously got because they're older they've they've got more training history. They've got a, a greater training age. Whereas a lot of the kids that would come in, um, into the college setup, you know, some of them have never even been into a gym before or seen a bar, let alone, you know, done any kind of proper physical training. So it's always, so I guess really simply is like I said, just having a, having it really kind of thrown in your face, um, the different, like the nuances between how you have to, you know, what is necessary for each kind of level and how you actually have to deliver it. Because as much as the the content has to be, I think, very different and very, you know, at looking at different stages of development, uh, the way you deliver it. Because again, like you can, a championship environment is very, very, very different to a developmental 16-year-old environment. And a lot of the stuff that you, you know, how you might coach with the RFC, for example, is very, very different to how you should coach with, the 18, you know, the, the under 18s. Um, so that's probably the biggest kind of takeaway, um, you know, so, um, but it was great. I think again is I can't really kind of sum up exactly how much you can learn from an experience like that because effectively when I, again, I, I'm, I keep saying, you know, about talking about my experiences. And so if I, if I kind of, go off on a boring tangent again please do for no no it's 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 interesting that you say that because uh, a a lot of people will adopt the same principles across the board yeah and that to me is very very interesting because i'm going to use the word interesting i'll probably think of another word later on um but so many coaches that have been through the same system or the same process will follow those same set principles okay Mm -hmm that's neither here, neither there. Like that, that's just who they are as individuals. We all yep. have our own principles that we follow. Yep, so sure. that's important. But the thing of what you were saying there is that the, the two types of structures that you have to follow for each different environments, they have to be different. They can't be the same because training age, training literacy, um, injury like you, you've just got to you've just got to assess um the, the frequencies the intensities of it yeah, um, yeah exactly. we we follow fit principles all the time like i was just rattling off just the words then but if you follow the fit principles obviously on each of those different environments you're then able to assess what needs to be prescribed for that following person yeah then what happens is that if there's no communication from the coach specifically who's working with those rugby players on a day-to-day basis or for instance if you're at university they're training two to two possibly three times a week and then playing once twice a week um but then they obviously they're going to be going back to their clubs as well because um, more than likely they'll be playing for a club alongside the college but then what you'll have is then people will then go to university and then they'll still be playing for that club, but Hartbury will then effectively, the RFC would be the opportunity to go to anyway, because they're effectively, they're the support network for the university and the college. So are are you finding that a lot of people are using the same principles in, in the same environments or are they using different ones? What, what set principles do you have or do you follow? From a, from a kind of from a training perspective, like physical training and whatnot. Yeah, from from both because ultimately, when you when you're running your own programs, your own you obviously want to practice what you preach, mm. without a doubt. But yeah, just to, just give us a bit of an, an an idea as to how a development individual would train versus uh, uh, an RFC because they yeah. are massively different, aren't they? Yeah, and exactly. like I said, your principles are going to have to change in both of those environments massively. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so again, yeah, great, great question. Great point. So, um, 
as you as we we like obviously you've just said there, and we kind of we touched on it earlier. The environments are they're they they are rugby is just to kind of I'm going to kind of contradict myself quite a lot as I go on here. So, um, but um, yeah. So at the end of the day, rugby is rugby, and there are always going to be kind of key themes that kind of come into it. For me, no matter what kind of or no matter what level. I think you're playing at and how old you are. I think the kind of the key things for me would be uh, to have a good level of um, aerobic fitness, um, the um, aerobic conditioning, the way you might develop that might differ between ages, but I think it's very good to have it there. Um, I think you have from a, have a good level of baseline strength. These are again, very general terms of baseline strength, especially lower body, I think is very, very important across the, um, across the board, no matter what kind of level you're competing at. Um, and I guess kind of building on that, um, also from a kind of more a lactic point. So you have to very aerobically focused, um, and uh, also have a very like quite a, you start to develop the kind of the alactic capacity uh, which kind of will you build on as you as you develop that being said although those kind of things I think should always kind of be consistent as you said like we have our principles and those are the principles that for me would be important um, as you said you know the environments are so different but it, and it I think it boils down to what are the the aims of each program. So obviously the aim of the Hartbury RFC program is to win games of championship rugby. That is the, that's realistically the be all and end all because by the time players get to there, they should be sufficiently developed in order to, you know, to compete and to win. And, you know, you kind of, if you look at, I suppose like developmental, your know, models, like long-term athletic development models, like no matter which one you kind of subscribe to, I think there's always that the kind of the underlying themes of earlier in development is, as you say, is development and you're looking at, like you said, physical literacy, movement literacy and stuff like that. But as you go on and you get older and you get towards more kind of competition elements, that the, the whole point is competition. So that is the, to me, that is what the, the kind of that, that's what the aim of the RFC is. To flip that on its head, the under 18 model, we're there, yes, we want to, you know, yes, Hartbury wants to win. Um, I think I'm, um, you know, it would be wrong of me not to say that. You know, we the again, I keep saying we, um, and I'm not actually anything to do with that. But the the under eighteen program has enjoyed a lot of success. I think in the the ten or eleven years that the ACE program's been running, I think they've won nine of them. You know, they've only not won it twice, um, which is great. I say again, you look at the number of players that have gone on to play professional rugby, um, whether that's at Hartbury, whether that's at Gloucester, whether that's anywhere, um, is incredible. Um, and that's obviously, I think, a big feather in Hartbury's cap as well. But the, you boil it down um, to that point is with the aim of the under-18 program is to develop players, whether that's, again, to develop them to go straight into Premiership Academies, to develop them to go into the Bucks program as Hartbury's Academy, or to you know to go on to do whatever they're going to do. We want to be able to, again, I keep saying we, Hartbury want to develop a player to kind of play their best rugby when, whenever they leave Hartbury, whether that's the end of their college or at the end of university, they should be able to play the highest level of rugby they can. And again, whether that's championship, you know, national one, national two, or local club rugby, whatever that is, as long as you develop them, that's the kind of, that's the nuts and bolts. If that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, I think, yeah, when, when you break that down and into those areas and those, uh, and well, uh, and give give it a set criteria that they need to follow, then yep. obviously you've got outcomes. Um, the outcome, obviously, as you said, for the main RFC is obviously to win games because they are at a senior level. Uh, exactly. They're playing at the highest level that you can, uh, bar obviously the premiership. Yeah. Um, they're not too dissimilar. This this is one thing that I say over and over again. The style of rugby and, and the way that people are playing rugby now in the championship is not too dissimilar than the premiership. I, I say that as a personal statement because I've seen both both games. If anything, the game is faster in the championship versus the premiership. I think that because they're actually allowing the game to be a bit more free-flowing. That I've found that there's not as many stoppages. Whereas when it's in the premiership, it seems like there's a little bit more stoppages. There's a yeah. little bit... There's a 
But then I think that comes down to it, it's a much more tactical game when you when you take that step from championship to premiership. But look, that's that's a big talking point. I'm going to leave that over there in a box somewhere tucked away because if I start opening those cans of worms, I think I'm going to get a lot of people shedding some light on some very different and um, uh, interesting comments. Put it that way. Yeah. But look, we're going to look at we're going to look at something then. Um, in terms of the, the coaching elements to it, um, what three things would you would you give in terms of tips to, to coaches out there right now in terms of the college system? Because I think the college system is so so important. Yeah. Um, because without it, you can't get these players to go play in the prem. Can't. No. Because they they wouldn't they wouldn't have learned they wouldn't have adapted. If anything, your role right now within the college is so so crucial because. Do you do you feel like sometimes people are watching you like a hawk, or or are you quite quite hit, happy go lucky about everything? <laughs> um, it's well, great, really good question. Um, I think it's kind of it's all it's always a little bit of both. Like you, so so my role, like I said, my, I'm obviously I'm at the moment. Um, not working with the rugby program and that's actually been probably one of the best things for me like so again kind of if we go back to that kind of the intro that I gave it was all rugby you know so I did my internship in rugby then I was academy rugby and then it was you know rugby 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 even when I first came to Hartbury and was studying I was in rugby I've been lucky in the sense of um I've allowed so I've been able to diverse, diversify my role a little bit. And this, these were conversations we were having kind of as I was coming towards the end of my studies um, with um, uh, the, the kind of, you know, the head of athletic performance at the time, um, guy called Owen Sally, who was, uh, you know, a uh, great influence, a great influence of mine, really good friend, still talk to him very regularly. I uh, just want to give him a little shout out, but um, so it was obviously something we were talking about. And luckily enough, like I said, I was able to pick up a role which has allowed me to do that. So I'm now working with the uh, netball senior senior men's football golf and multi-sport academy. And it's so varied that, you know, it's, now we're getting a little bit off topic here, but I'll try and bring it back into focus. Um, it's, I'm almost, I don't know where you always feel like you're being watched because again, like these programs, we all, everyone who's involved in these programs want to succeed. Like, so for example, the netball, you know, the netball goes very, very successful, um, program, very, uh, very similar to the, it's a rugby one, you know, they're very, very successful. And, really looking into like how can we best develop these, you know, definitely from a physical perspective, you know, how can we best prepare these players to you know, play the best netball they're going to be able to play. Um, and um, so there is, there is always that inherent pressure of, you know, we always don't want to perform. We always do want to succeed. Um, but there's also, there is also an element of it. I think, especially when it's, when you're in developmental rugby is like no one, <laughs> I mean, phrase is probably quite bluntly. No one dies if you don't win a college league or something. It's, it doesn't make or break someone's career. Whether you know, whereas you flip it on its head and you look at the RFC, if the RFC don't perform well, excuse me, week in week out, they could get relegated. Or same with it, you know, any Premiership or any Championship club. If they don't, if you don't perform regularly at that level, you, you're going to suffer in some way. And the ultimately, the difference between premiership and championship um is a lot of money it, or it's, i see it's nothing compared to you know like elite football you look at like premier league football the difference between the premiership and the um sorry the premier league and the championship is million or potentially even up to you know multiple million uh, or it's millions and billions yeah yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. so but you but you just bring it back to rugby i'm sure everyone's kind of seen the um, the statement you know, obviously before um, obviously, we got hit by this, um, hit by the virus. Obviously, I think everyone probably saw the the RFU's announcement about championship funding is going to be is going to be cut. That's unfortunately nothing we can do. There's nothing really we can do about that as you know support staff or even I think you know rugby staff. But it's it's going to hit clubs hard. I'm sure. Um, it's I think it's just ultimately something we've got to kind of. Suck up I think there'll be a lot. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of private investment from that point, yeah. um, which I think is going to open up the door to a much bigger opportunity for businesses to come in and start bankrolling teams. Which yeah, potentially a lot of football, a lot of football players do. A lot of football teams do that. I, I want to talk about something else here as well, which um, yeah. you touched on just briefly there. So, I like your role. It <laughs> excites me because you've got you've got that experience and fundamentals of rugby. But you yeah. touched on football, netball, and golf. 
I'm a big fan of golf. Um, I like it. I think it's very enjoyable to play. And um, and I also watch football and netball. So uh, it, for, what, what's it like? Because you're across all of those disciplines now. Yeah. You don't see the same thing on the same day. No. How do you, how do you, how have you how have you been able to adapt your skills to to be able to because SNC itself, don't get me wrong, it is pretty transparent. Okay, yeah. we're taking someone from a base level where they are, we're looking at their performance measures, and we're raising the bar. Okay, whilst obviously reducing the risk of injury. Yeah. So we are testing the body to its limits. Now, with all those different athletes, you must get some interesting discoveries <laughs> i'm gonna use the word discovery um, what's it like what's it like talk yeah. us a bit more about it it's it's interesting uh, i think you hit the nail on the head there so yeah like you're, you're you're dead right i mean it's it's a very i'm lucky in the sense of that i've got a very exciting role and a very fulfilling role you know there's never really been a day once again we've been what we've been shut inside for the best part of two months now but you know there's there's coming home from work there was never a day that I thought I haven't really accomplished anything there I haven't had a like an, I haven't had a good experience there but I've always I've always enjoyed that role um for I think the reasons you hit on there it's just it's so diverse and so which makes it interesting and what's what's good or what I've really enjoyed is like you say like kind of taking that those kind of the grounding principles of rugby and maybe kind of dropping them in where they're applicable. So like, if you look at netball, for example, it's to me, I mean, obviously never played netball. Um, cause it's just not, a, you know, it's not something that men typically get um, exposed to. Um, but so kind of looking at it, um, it's obviously, it's a lot of jump, a lot of land, Axel, D cell, change of direction. There, there obviously there is um, maybe some some more top end speed stuff, um, but obviously players are limited in terms of where they can go on court. Um, I'm going to get picked up by um, all the netball coaches and gurus now, but yeah, in terms of my understanding of the of the rules, but that, yeah, that's kind of what it boils down to. So, like I said, in terms of my kind of my grounding principles of rugby, in terms of having a base kind of level of lower body strength, obviously that feeds into strength and power, which I think is obviously is crucial for um, you know for netball in terms of being able to help them do you know, perform these you know jumps, axles, decels, change of directions. I think it's all it all kind of interlinks. Um, also, obviously because you're working with female athletes, which if if not, if people out there have only ever really worked, like for me, for example, only ever really work in men's rugby, although you may work at different levels, try and go and work with a group of a group of female athletes, and it would it will it will open your eyes in terms of from hundreds of you know pos, uh, positive ways will open your eyes in terms of you know how you have to because the way you communicate with men and women, as you know, people know probably in day-to-day life is can be completely different oh it's um, massively different i'm going to touch on something there that you mentioned working yeah. with female athletes i work with quite a lot of them so yeah. for me it's it's really good because i've been exposed to that um the one thing that i've noticed as well with obviously the the demands of the sport are a lot lot higher i feel mm. for females they they set their they set the bar very high on themselves yeah um and it's exciting because then you're able to to be able to work with them and understand them better. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I really enjoy working with female athletes. I think if anything, it, it's it's a lot nicer and a lot more fulfilling. Sorry mm. to the males who are listening to this, but you can be annoying as shit at times <laughs> when you do not listen. But yeah, it, it's it's just the way how you approach the coaching strategies that you're able to then understand and educate how you're going to get to that end goal. Um, exactly. And it's the buy-in from obviously from, from them that's going to allow you to do your job. Like exactly. I'm not saying that the working with females is the best thing ever. Everyone go and do it because I'm not. I'm just saying that, as you said there, that if you can work across the diversities of not just one sport, you will open yourself up to a whole different experience. Yeah, entirely it's it, it's the other side of the, it's, it's the other side of the coin experience because yeah. on one side you've got the hard knocks life come on guys get in the gym get your workout done and just leave them to their own devices um or then you've got the other one where you you have to to feed and actually build a better buy-in it's, it, it's like that on both sides don't get me wrong but i just feel like you have to do 
more education as to your justification on exercises for males versus females where you have to be more empathetic to the process and why you're actually designing that process to get to an end goal. Um, yeah. That's what I've learned. Um, other people may think that other things have worked. That's perfectly fine. I'm not saying that what I'm doing is the right way. It's not. I've just learned by getting the right feedback from, from my guys that I've been working with and by saying to them, look, what do you want to achieve? I'll put it, put in the onus on them to then allow them to then start depicting what areas they need to feel, they feel they need to work on. But then ultimately the back of your mind, you're thinking, okay, well, I need to improve this area. What area is going to be able to accommodate that? Um, Do you find that you're having to do a lot of that now in terms of the transition that you've had to make? Or do you feel like there's areas that, that need to be picked up on? I I mentioned this anyway, as a question, what three things would you, would you, would you ultimately give in terms of advice? Um, yeah, let, let, let's pick off that. Let's let's yeah. go from there. Yeah. So um, I, I guess we, like, we, if we kind of boil that that first part of the question down there to you know, maybe the differences between working with males and females, I de- I agree with you. The in a lot of what you said there. For me, I think I found I get if you look at the differences between the sports as well, and let's just take netball as that example, obviously because it's you know, I guess I can kind of speak from experience there, but. I think the thing you can always guarantee with rugby players and especially male rugby players and at at most levels, to be fair, um, but especially that kind of um, college and bucks or college and university, maybe or that senior academy kind of level. I think you can more or less guarantee that most of them are going to, they're going to like going into the gym, like you kind of alluded to there. And that's, it's an easy sell because I think rugby players know they have to be big. They know they have to be strong. They know they have to be fast. They know they have to have these physical qualities that will allow them to perform their sporting ones or not necessarily will allow them to perform their sporting ones, which will help them in performing their sporting, you know, their technical, their tactical elements. Whereas with, you know, netball and field, or so there's netball, um, it's that kind of that physical development culture isn't necessarily as well developed as is. You, you do get some that obviously I, um, I think let's use the word respect, you know, like they respect that they have to obviously have you know, all these physical qualities like we kind of alluded to, like jumping, landing, Axel, D-cell, big aerobic bases. You know, the aerobic contribution in netball for me is, is obviously massive. So they, I think they have a very good appreciation and respect to these things. But do you know what I mean? It's the, the kind of – they. I've never walked into a gym with a, with that group of netballers and we've had, you know, people smacking their head off the, you know, their, their head off a door, you know, like they're putting hundreds of kilos on the bar and that, you know, getting under it. That's common in rugby and especially in men's rugby, but with, it's just, it's like, it's like you said, it's how you engage, I suppose, those athletes, different personalities, different cultures for want of a better word. Um, I lose, use the word culture differently and again that's a tangent we could go or sorry loosely we could go off on that tangent if you want to but um, it's, just, it's not that cult, that lifting culture is not really I think there in netball but um, they definitely have an appreciation of it the thing I think that I found is is the way that they like you say you have to sell that message and get them to buy in I find that the girls will ask or the ladies will ask a lot more questions about why they're doing things like you said like the process and that's how you kind of engage them. Whereas, like you say, you, you say to, you say to, I've, I've said to some of the red boys before, you need to squat that. And then, all right, I'll do it now then. That's, that's, that's conversation done. Whereas you say to the, you know, to say, all right, girls, I, need you, I want you to do this, this, and this. And the, one of them might say, well, why are we doing that? And then it's like you say, you have to, it forces you to kind of, to A, understand what you're doing, B, why you're doing it. And, you know, C, you have to understand it to a level where you can, educate them effectively obviously you can educate them outside of the gym but you have to be able to educate them quickly on the gym floor which means you're not going to baffle them with science you know, keep it simple keep it you know keep it short but keep it in a way that they can understand how it's going to relate to the netball and after that i think you know nine out of ten of them are they're going to do it so that i mean that's one of the big ones i think for me is it just it it highlights exactly how um again in the same way that we kind of spoke about earlier the difference in levels within that rugby program the differences between working with you know between sports and between genders is is massive and it will teach you so much about 
again how to convey a message and that's what i'd i'd encourage anyone that hasn't worked with a with a female athlete or a group of female athletes you know, go and do it go and, you know volunteer your time any way you can it will you'll you'll learn so much from it so that would be kind of i suppose like the, the first bit of advice um I suppose, like we said, the second part of the question was kind of maybe some more like kind of what three, three tips. If you just, on... if you just had, yeah, if you just had to pick just just three three things, uh, the the most important thing that really stands out to me um, in terms of giving the advice to coaches that are obviously looking to do this mm. is become more adaptable because yes. you'll you'll start to slip and slide into to all these different areas and you'll get confused. It's okay to be confused. Um, I I like to use uh, adaptable. Uh, The second one as well is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid Mm. to ask a question because if you don't ask a question, don't get an answer. Uh, My third thing, um, research, read up on it, understand the game. If you don't understand the game, you can't understand the principles that actually support that. Yeah. What what three things would you, would you pick on? Um, I think you've probably taken the words out of my mouth there. Like, you've, done, you've done the work for me there. But, I've um, taken all three of them off your hands, mate. Yeah, no, but just to, I suppose just to let's let's put a bit more meat on the bones of those. Then, so like, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. You but you have to be adaptable because if you get pigeonholed into one thing, you'll like that. That's all you're going to know, and then you put you want you like by putting the blinkers on, you probably limit yourself in terms of what you can actually do. Because if you, from a very, very, very kind of like, I suppose black and white or vague, or your vaguer way of looking at it, or simpler way of looking at it even, if you want to work in as probably 99% of, you know, sports, and I'm talking, this is sports degrees, things like sports science, your biomechanics, they've had a separate program, you're like strength and conditioning, there's all these degree programs available now. Um, probably, I'd say a good 80, 90% of the people that do these courses, they want to work in professional sport. Who doesn't? It's a great life, right? You get to walk around in a tracksuit all day um, and you get paid for being in the gym and knocking back a couple of protein shakes every now and then. It's great. You know, it's awesome. But um, if you look at, so Premier League football, there's, there's what, 20 clubs in in the Premier League? Um, There's 12 Premiership rugby clubs. There's 12 Championship rugby clubs. Um, there's obviously more championship football clubs, but so there's there's a there's only a, there's a limit of these top level sports clubs that are going to pay you for your services. So, and I think it was this. I mean, this is an old I think an old stat now, but I remember hearing someone say there's there's probably more sport degree graduates every year than any other program. So all these people are now flooding the marketplace. The good ones obviously will get jobs, um, but by having so many people there and having this oversaturation of the market that I think that's what, and we're going to get off onto another tangent here, but I think that's what drives the prices down a lot in our industry. And like you see, like if you, if you want to work in professional sport, you have to make a lot of sacrifices in terms of the salaries you're willing to accept, the hours you're, you're willing to work. Is it, does that make it right? No, of course not. I think everyone should be paid a fair wage um, for fair hours. Um, but that's just the level of, that's where, SNC in our country. Yeah, we, we, can, we can go off on a, on a massive tangent on that. And I, and I yeah. don't want to start pulling apart our industry because then people aren't going to be excited, obviously, to want exactly. to be in it. Um, yeah. As you say there, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of hard graft that has to go into it. You've, yeah. you've had to go through the process um, on numerous occasions. And I think that when you now realizing that 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 you're in a good place then that's that's fantastic that's the end goal i'd i'd love to be in be in a situation like that where it's where i've got so much diversity to the sports uh and being able to say do you know what okay i know how to 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 do that Mm. don't get me wrong i i don't just know how to play rugby i know how to play other sports but the thing is is that when you're so one-dimensional you 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 forget the other things SNC is across the board. It's not just yeah. one particular area. You're no, just passionate sure. about that one particular area. So you're sure. more attracted to it because it appeals to you. So exactly. I think that's really, really important that, that we do talk about that another time, um, which I'm sure we will do behind closed doors. Um, hey, but, if um, you want to do a podcast on that, I'm more than happy to <laughs> talk about, off about things. Yeah, but, of course, so. of course. Um, but I think, 
Sorry, just to jump, I just, I think hopefully what that kind of that tangent does highlight is how being adaptable is important for people in their kind of careers and their progressions. Like say, if you are, if you're a one trick pony, those, your opportunities are going to be, are limited to your, your chosen market. Like you said, what your passion, obviously my, I played, your rugby was my main sport. That's why I started off in rugby, but you know, it's, I guess, like I say being adaptable just opens up so many more doors for you. Um, so that's that's why being adaptable is definitely important. Um, I can't remember. We I can't even, we had tangible subject. Uh, the second, yeah, the second one was um, read. Well, the third one was actually reading about the sport, but the second one was asking yeah. questions, asking questions yeah. because you, you you have to um, with anything in life. If you don't ask the questions, you don't get the answers, do you? Yeah, exactly. Also, I think. Just to, again to add some more meat on the bones, that again completely agree. Um, I just think it's it kind of it ties in quite nicely. I think with the last point is obviously yes, I you have to um, have an appreciation of the sport. You well, you don't necessarily. I think a lot of people say you have to have played the sport to be able to coach it, and that, I think that's kind of more directed towards the technical tactical aspects. But I think a lot of people look at it from the the kind of physical side as well. And I, I would disagree to the point of that. You can always, like I say like in order to divert you, cause you can't play every sport under the sun. You have to be able to diversify um, lobby, you know, and be adaptable. Like we just said. Um, but that does necessitate you having a good understanding of the sport. So again, like for example, I've never played netball, um, but I've tried to upskill myself by understanding the game as much as possible. So that whether that's, you know, never used to obviously never really watched it before since working in it let's i've made a conscious effort i suppose to try and watch more of it to to gain that understanding um oh it's so fast it's so fast like doesn't make me an expert no no um, you you've got that you've got that basic understanding of the movement that's associated to it so then you can actually start reflecting the conditioning aspects of things to actually Precisely. Support it. So yeah, exactly. And it also it's kind of like it's if you want to if you're trying to convince a group of athletes to do to do something which you think is going to benefit them, being able to show them how it will improve their sporting because like I think again you alluded to it earlier. What do what do people actually care about? Sports people they care about they might have different motivations for caring about it, but ultimately they care about their performance because their performance, especially at the top level can mean they get, you know, they'll get their paycheck at the end of the month. Um, their performance will mean they'll continue to be a, a desired asset for, you know, for, want of, for want of a better cold hearted phrase, you know, like, um, well, if, they get selected, they'll get selected for, 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 for exactly. their countries yeah. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you have their own personal motivations, but ultimately that, you know, whatever, whatever the mo- their specific motivation is, the general motivation is they care about their sport and they care about performing well. If you have an appreciation of their sport, although you may not have had a, a personal kind of experience of it, um, being able to like, again, you know, like, like you said, you look at the game, you say, okay, well, how does this move? You know, how can I support them being able to perform these movements and these skills? Me, how me being able to show them that I have an understanding of the sport will open them up. I think a little bit more to my message or you know, to, to the coach. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. In- increasing the credibility, increasing the exactly. credibility of that because you actually understand that the yeah. sport naturally, what is actually the physical demands of it. If you don't, in, if you don't research it, like alluding on, to, well, we're moving on to the third point. Um, yeah. If you don't research those aspects of that sport, then they're not going to buy into you. They're going to instantly yeah. think of you, well, you don't know anything about my sport. Like exactly. what gives you the right to, to tell, tell me, me that, yeah. that these yeah. um, unilateral, these, well, sorry, I'm not using a, a big word there, but it, these single leg jumps are going to help me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, those single leg jumps are going to help you because you're traveling at high speed and you're jumping and you're landing yeah. on one leg. If you jump and land on one leg and you aren't strengthened in that area, your ankle will buckle. Your knee yeah. will That's twist. You'll, you'll be in, you'll be in all sorts. Okay. And then they start saying, oh, oh okay, now I'll get you. Well, now you get me. Go do it um, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for a lighter, lighter words of using, but um, it's like, yeah, just it, no, no, so you, many you're things. Dead, dead right. Yeah, you're dead. You're dead right there. It's just it, like you say, it increases your. It almost gives you that, like you say, that credibility in terms of they. 
they, I suppose, gain an idea that you actually have some form of understanding of what you're talking about and how it applies to them. Because again, like, mm. without, let's just not have so many examples, but you know, I, I could say to the netball girls, um, right, we're doing, you know, we're doing eccentric squats today and that's going to improve your force output by you know, X number of newtons. To them, that means nothing. But if I can say by doing these, you'll be able to produce more force or, or even you'll be able to absorb more forces when you land because you've just caught the ball and you've been you know, hit in the side by, by a defender and this will help your landing mechanics to them. So that's the, that's the connection. That's why it's important. And then they're more likely to go and do it because they see it as important. Very loose, yeah. broad example. But hopefully that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. For force absorption yeah. and force production, like they they need yeah. to be able to see why they're doing both things from exactly. the jumping phase and also a landing phase. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so we 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 can go along that that route, and then people will say, okay, well, all right. So you want to start testing this, okay? Well, then what we want to do is we want to actually increase that output. So then what we do is we're actually going to say, well, look, we're gonna we're gonna start testing you. So. Yeah. For instance, um, I like to use push bands. Okay, so I'll stick that on the bar, and then we'll actually start. We'll start seeing how much these these guys can really um, start exerting in terms of force production. We'll start mm-hmm. seeing how much force they can start start moving, um, because then you can you can you can assess so much. But I think that yeah, the the way that the professionals move for certain sports, they have to be adaptable one hundred percent. And yeah. the coaches, they need to be well well versed. They can't be one trick ponies anymore. It's the no. same thing with rugby. Like a lot of rugby teams now are going to want rugby coaches to have some form of other discipline. I myself, um, I'm an England rugby qualified coach and yeah. I'm an SSC coach. Like, okay, cool. Whereas if someone's just a rugby coach, they don't actually understand the basic principles that come with it. They yeah, don't. Exactly. And they, I think, again, it's, that's, I'm more. I'm. I'm. I'm not saying this is a. This is a negative comment to to people out there right now. But get upskilled in other areas of that sure, sporting yeah. that sporting area because nine times out of ten, people from our industry are going to be more advantageous to people than just specifically from that sport. Yeah, exactly. And just uh, again, I suppose just I. I couldn't agree with you more in terms of you, you know, upskill yourself as much as possible. Um, mm. I think like, I, I, I did my level two a couple of years ago um, when I was up, when I was up at Berry. I was lucky enough to, yeah, they put me through it. Um, interesting and, course. Um, yeah, very interesting course. Uh, but again, like it's, I think with, with that as well, we'll, we'll go off another tangent here, but I think it's like you say, when you ask questions and I think to kind of, to come to, to kind of go on from that a little bit more is what try and take as much out of each experience as you can. So for me, like in terms, we looked at the level two, um, as much as it was of the technical components of how do you coach each your movement in rugby, it was, I think what the, the course was structured very well in terms of looking at how do you actually set up sessions? How do you plan sessions? Or how do you design practices? Like into, I don't know if it was the same when you did it, but in terms of the, you have the game zone and skill zone, it's like, how do you, yeah. you practice the skill together? You take a skill out, do it in isolation, put it back in again. And it's that, what I, I suppose in a general perspective you could, you could call the coaching process how that kind of you can obviously then as an snc coach use those lessons from a technical perspective from a technical course like the level two to influence your to do that as well as much as there's that kind of theoretical and kind of process you can also rely heavily on the technical stuff as well so like when you're designing so for example like the rugby program at Hartbury, they've you know we love using condition games it's going to help if you actually have a technical understanding of how to perform the skills that necessary within those games. If you, if you can't, because anyone can say, oh, a yeah, good pass, bad pass. But if you can actually, you know, like if you just keep using that kind of that basic generic feedback, it loses its kind of, I think it will lose its um, impact after a while. If you can say, you know, Tom, that was a great pass because you followed through with your hand. Suddenly that's, you actually, like you say, you're, you're, you're giving people specific feedback, which actually goes above that level. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying that now. S and C coaches have to be able to do skills coaching as well. But I think just having that that extra. No, I think it's a yeah. It's a it's a generic thing that we we talk about it in S and C all the time. Our justification for for obviously prescribing exercises has to be on point because we need to be able to justify whether or not 
it's going to actually promote a positive um, outcome. If it, if yeah. you're just putting together a, a stream of exercises and without actually thinking about your reasoning behind it or the outcome within mind, it's irrelevant. It's pointless. Yeah. You, you end up just stringing along a load of exercises for no reason, um, which I had a bit of a rant about the other day. I had a very big rant about it the other day because I started saying, well, just because you know these scientific funny words that are amazing doesn't make you a good coach. No. People see through it. It, it, it. A normal person will see through it. If you're turning around and saying to someone, yeah, you need to perform these... Um, well, I couldn't even remember what it was I was referring to. Oh, um, it was... Uh, uh, you need to perform these uh, eccentric bicep curls. I'm thinking, just tell the person just to perform a bicep curl. Don't, like, normal people, people are people. Whether or not you like to hear that or not, like, everyone is human. Yeah. Just because you're throwing in some scientific word doesn't make you cool. No. Doesn't make you. It doesn't make you the next best thing since sliced bread. Like no, you just, just gotta just say to them, look, okay, I need you to perform these squats. I need you to perform these overhead presses. I need you to understand that the squats are going to help you with your your low base. It's going to build your strength from the ground up. I'm also going to work on your overhead presses to increase your upper body strength. Now, what that's going to do is it's going to it's going to work on addressing areas across the whole body not just one particular area yeah <clears throat> no, for keep sure. it simple just exactly. tell them yeah. just tell them you need them to do this to do that and come across and you'll get that outcome okay yeah. fantastic yeah if you're a physio um, then and you actually understand that you need to say for instance put together a research-based article inverted commas um <laughs> Then I would go into things like that. Okay, we need to look at eccentric-based movements uh, on your squat because we can find that you've got a deficiency in this area. This is leading to the lack of recruitment of muscle fibers and tension within the joint. Blah, 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 blah. Yada, yada, yada. Exactly. That's where you would use it. It's, a, it's yeah. knowing how to use it. And I don't think a lot of coaches are doing that right now. So my bit of advice, uh, you agree to disagree on this, but all your new coaches that are actually wanting to come out into the industry and share all your knowledge. And because of you read loads of textbooks, sack it off, please have it in the back of your brain and keep it there. Do not unleash it until it's required because the yeah. practical application of it comes from you teaching and yeah, observing. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, um, you, anything that you want to add to that? <laughs> yeah, no, I th yeah, no, I de definitely agree. I think, but it's like you said, just to I sort of boil it down, is you have to have that theoretical understanding of why you're going to do a certain exercise and or the, the rationale of why you're going to do it. Otherwise, you're just like you said, you're stringing together a group of exercises that actually won't feed forward into developing those physical qualities that you want to develop for a specific reason. Um, but equally the athlete doesn't have to know everything you know because all they really care about is they might, I mean, they might ask a question or oh, what am I, you know, what is this, what does this exercise do? Why am I doing this? And that's when you might give the athlete a bit more detail, but ultimately you just need to, you need to tell them what they need to know in order to help them, I suppose, understand at a basic level what they need to do and why they're going to do it. But that doesn't mean you have to regurgitate a textbook to them because ultimately you just they'll gloss over after five seconds, actually not hear anything you say, and you probably actually just disengage them because you bored them. So, you know, just to that's the, I suppose my kind of five cents on that. Yeah, um, no, no, hundred uh, percent. So look, let's let, let's finish on this note. Uh, I think it's um, been great to obviously hear your thoughts and, and where you see things. Um, where do you see things in the next three to six months? Because ultimately, right now, everyone's in the same sort of boat. Um, well, we might, we may be in the same boat, um, but there's obviously a lot of things going on outside of it. Um, yeah. where, 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 where are things set for you? Um, oh, excuse me. Well, um, it's very exciting. I say it's exciting times at the moment. Um, obviously at the moment, um, being locked in the house is, uh, <laughs> is great, but I think it's just trying to use that kind of 
situation to our advantage, I suppose, is the, the kind of the best thing. And like, so I'm, I'm trying to kind of, I suppose, devote as much of my time as possible to stuff that would normally get to do. Because when you've got the kind of the, the like the, the hours of you've got a day job to do and stuff, you don't have time to look at certain things. You know, now we actually have this time. I say just I'm trying to, like, like we said, upskill myself in as much as I possibly can. Um, if anyone wants, I'm obviously this isn't a sponsored message or I'm not being paid to say this or anything, but um, anyone who's involved in rugby, I'd really, really recommend checking out um, Keir uh, Wenham Flats Rugby Strength Coach Network or Rugby uh, Strength Coach Network. Um, Strength Coach Network, so I'll actually say it properly the third time around. But um, yeah, really, really good resources, um, you know, close to I think 60 webinars on their own different topics and then we've got some other stuff from uh, Central Virginia Sports Performance which is all great great content um, some really good members where you can actually like we said you can ask questions and you get feedback from top level top level professionals all over the world who have kind of been through what a lot of people what, what people are trying to go through now and they can obviously share uh, their experiences as well so that's, that's definitely something I kind of advise. Um, also on the horizon, uh, I've got a, a little one coming up. So that's kind of um, adding some perspective to life ah, as well. Parenthood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, no, but it's uh, really exciting. Um, Good stuff. Really exciting times. So, uh, but yeah, it's, I think it's, for me, it's kind of boiling down, you know, like what actually matters and stuff. You know, it's obviously, like we said, I love, you know, I love my job. I love what I do, but you know, it's, it all has to, it means something at the end of the day. Uh, and that's, that's what it means. So, mm. um, so yeah, so really exciting times on that front, mate. How about yourself? Who knows, mate? Who knows? Um, <laughs> no, most importantly for me, it's, uh, it's definitely the upskill side of things. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting, um, summer and winter ahead, uh, in terms of sport. Uh, and it's going to be interesting. Um, I've got a lot of projects on, on the go right now that I want to get, um, get completed on my house for, for one of them. Yeah. Um, but look, I, I think that it's someday, someday along, well, some, well, in, in, in the coming months ahead, um, I think it'll be safe to say that I will be in some form of club environment awesome. and, um, hopefully, uh, taking my expertise to the next level. I'm getting, a quite a few people, obviously that I'm speaking to, uh, to try and sort of understand where the roadmap is for, for them uh, and ultimately where my skill set can ultimately benefit them as well. Uh, I think that because I'm an outsource provider to teams at the moment, I think for me, my platform and, and what I do in terms of my work uh, is very beneficial to people right now uh, and it will only get bigger, um, but that will become more of a, a secondary outcome for me um because my primary outcome is to not many people know this but um i would like to see myself in the nfl one day awesome so um for me that's uh the end goal because i think they are the true testament of um athletic development and um the processes and in terms of the collegiate system that they've got in place uh for just from speaking to to a number of different people on the other side of the pond um that there's a lot going on and uh, I think it will be safe to say that, yeah, watch this chapter because you might see me one day in the NFL um, coaching these guys to, to get to the top. Uh, but if not, um, I will be looking overseas to, to helping teams uh, increase their rugby. So got 23 years worth of playing the, the goddamn sport. Might as well use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot happening. Uh, and I think that the sport is going to definitely change. I think that a lot of people will start to be more accustomed to staying at home and watching it more yeah. uh, and actually studying it more. So actually watching it, I, I, I do this, I, I watch games repeatedly uh, to, to analyze the sport, but that's just from my own perspective. But um, Tom, I think it's safe to say you've got a great journey ahead and Thanks, um, good luck with, with uh, the little one on the way and congratulations to you and your partner. Thank you and, very much. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll be we'll be seeing uh, pictures on uh, social media uh, at some yeah. point down the line. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be something going up. But um, yeah, no, thanks, mate. Really appreciate that.